This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. It has been a really long time since we've done a podcast. Uh, my guest today is David Weiner. You know him as Bema Thug, resident capologist, knows all things in and out about the cap, uh, an attorney here in Houston, and is uh, a bit of a treasure on Clutch Fans. Uh, David, thanks for joining me, man. Uh, it's glad to finally be back. It's been a while. Yeah. Our last podcast was actually before the trade deadline, so... Did we ever end up moving Capella? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's quite a bit to recap since then. Obviously, bringing in Robert Covington, sending out Robert Covington. But in between, we had a global pandemic and um, the Rockets fell uh, ruthlessly to the L.A. Lakers in the second round. Um, something that to me was unexpected um, to, to lose the way that they did. Daniel House incident in, in the bubble. And now this team is uh, the Houston Rockets are one in transition. I mean, this offseason has been, you know, first month or so was pretty quiet. And then now then you started to hear the rumblings. You know, Russ wants out. um, Harden wants to Brooklyn. Um, And this is all coming after Mike D'Antoni left, after Daryl Morey left, which was a huge blow. Um, And, you know, it it put a lot of uh, pressure, I think, on the owner, at least as far as fans are concerned, feeling like, you know, that, that that he could be responsible for a lot of this. Um, but, you know, that's a, a very brief recap of a lot of major stories. But we have to start off um, this podcast with what the Rockets most recently did, and that's trade Russell Westbrook to the Washington Wizards for John Wall and a 2023 lottery-protected first-round pick. I have to ask you, what were your thoughts when you first found out about the trade and now – you know, with a day or so to absorb all this, what are your thoughts about this deal? I mean, I think my initial reaction to the trade upon first hearing it was gross. <laughs> um, and then after having another day or so to to think about it, it's <laughs> not much better. I mean, I, I, I've always been a, a fan of John Wall's uh, game when healthy, but Man, this is two horrible, horrible contracts traded for one another. Um, if if John Wall can actually play NBA basketball this season, I guess it's a nice trade, uh, but that remains to be seen. The pick is a so-so pick. I mean, it's a decent asset to have, but you know, it's not like it's ever going to be a high pick, and it's probably not going to convey for many, many years and may end up turning into two second round picks. So, you know, just a, a whole lot of meh to me, unless John Wall is most of the way back and can return to his, you know, all-star form. But aside from that, it's just a whole lot of meh. Yeah, I think that the the pick was a, a disappointment to me. I did, you know, you and I went back and forth a little bit on on uh, Twitter about the protections, and yeah, maybe they probably couldn't expect much better. But to me, uh, you know, I like John Wall a little better than I do Russell Westbrook. But you've got a huge question mark as you highlighted with his injury history, and he's coming off a, a ruptured Achilles. Um, granted, it's been a couple of years, but you know the surgery didn't didn't uh, there there had some there were some problems initially with the surgery, and he's been out for two full calendar years um, out of NBA action. So, um, you know, I, I felt the Rockets should have been compensated more because they are giving up a guy who is at least healthy. Now, I I really wasn't that disappointed in the deal. I, I you know personally, I would have liked to have gotten a couple, maybe two players. 
and and like a pick or something along that line that some guys who could fit uh, into roles better. But I just I'm just wasn't that disappointed because Russell Westbrook just did not fit. You know, he was just such a poor fit along with James Harden or running the second show, uh, you know, the, the bench units for the Rockets, despite having a career year and field goal percentage and, and being very effective as a scorer and going through a one to two month stretch where he was just dominant and outstanding. There were just so many things the Houston Rockets had to do up to the point of trading Capella and an additional pick uh, to get Covington because they just, they could not have two non shooters on the floor with Clint Capella and Russell Westbrook. So, you know, to me, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to harp on it. People know how you and I both felt about the Russell Westbrook trade when it was made. I think it was obvious. This was, yeah, I didn't think it was going to, it was obvious that this was going to fall apart in one year. Not, not at all. But I think that the end result, how he played alongside um, James Harden, I, I thought was predictable. And for them to still be on the hook for two first round picks and two pick swaps for years out and Westbrook is already gone. Uh, that's frustrating. You did get three, you've got three protected picks back. And that's, a, I will say that's a good thing. Um, you've now got three protected picks overall, not just out of the Westbrook deal um, that you can use, you know, to, you know, put yourself in a better position somehow later on. Um, but just the, the whole Russell Westbrook experiment was a disaster in my opinion. Uh, I don't think it's your, I don't think it's just your opinion. I think anyone saying otherwise is fooling themselves. Um, you know, I, I went, I went back and listened to that podcast we did earlier, earlier today, uh, just to kind of remember what our thoughts were. And I mean, you were, you were spot on from day one. I, I was trying to give, the Rockets, the benefit of the doubt, but you know, we both hated the trade, but I was trying to give the, the Westbrook fit the benefit of the doubt and see what they did. And there was a, you know, a good decent portion of the year when, when Russ was playing at a really, really high level and he ended up making third team all NBA. That wasn't a fluke. Um, and you know, him getting COVID and then him getting the leg injury in the bubble. I mean, that just derailed everything, but. Man, for it to fall apart already, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's an unmitigated disaster. Yeah, you know, I you definitely have to give Russ some credit. Uh, you know, he always brought uh, effort, and and the flaws in his game were well known. I, I point the fingers, you know, squarely at the Rockets for that. I mean, obviously, this was not a Daryl Morey decision. We talked about it then. You know, Daryl Morey did not drive this trade there's no way if you know anything about Daryl Morey and what he stands for there was no way he was going to to add a high usage player who shoots under 30 percent from three-point range I mean just was going to hurt the the structure and and the system that they had Um, and he made do with what he had to do but I mean I think it's it's well known James Harden you know coming off the unguardable tour and and not really wanting to hear from you know gruff from from Chris Paul um, felt like he would want to bring his friend in here and then those two could be you know a couple of recent MVPs that just dominate together and uh, it, it in my opinion it took a little ding uh, or it made a little ding in, in James my view of James Harden as a high IQ player because he has always been a high IQ player but for him to not be able to look past the friendship angle and not see how this could be a problem. Um, I lost a little bit of confidence in him. And of course, you know, ownership uh, is, is documented. He's, he's talked about how, you know, the front office got cold feet and he, he pushed that deal through. Um, so I, I definitely look at Harden and Fertitta, Tillman Fertitta as, as responsible for that trade. But, um, you know, I, I don't blame Russ as bad as he was in the Lakers series and he was abysmal I mean just awful and we could talk about injuries or what have you but I mean they they sagged off that guy 10 feet and just begged him to shoot which is something that we were nervous about all along and Lakers went small and the Rockets had just no counter for it so um you know in that regard I'm I'm fine with saying goodbye to Russell Westbrook I don't know what's going to happen with John Wall I'm 
hopeful. The the reports of his um, how he's playing in, in scrimmages and workouts is really good. Um, but to me, he's just a, a minor upgrade over over Westbrook. He's got you know a little bit of better playmaking skills, passing skills are there. Um, just a marginally better shooter, in my opinion. I would say better based on on uh, how Russ has been the last couple seasons. But um, you know, I, I, this is not a Chris Paul edition. This is a, a slight upgrade if healthy uh, over Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I mean. I saw some. I saw a stat somewhere saying over the last several years, among high volume shooters, uh, there were 78 high volume shooters. John Wall was 77th out of 78 in effective field goal percentage, and Russ was 78 out of 78. So that's about as small of an improvement as you can get. I. That is true. I did not. To be honest with you, in my head, I had a a bigger gap than that. And that's not encouraging. Um, I will say Wall has had a season of shooting 37% uh, plus from three. But, you know, Russ in his MVP year was over 34%. So, you know, it's hard to count on career years. I, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect out of John Wall. I am a little bit surprised the Rockets went this route. Um, you know, I, but you know, they, at least now they're in a position where if they need to move wall later on, they've got some assets that they can give up if they need to do that, which I'd be surprised. I I think they're going to ride this one. I think John Wall's a rocket for the next three years. (laughs) I think they're, if they get to a point where they have to unload wall, they shouldn't because if they're at that point, it's already too late. True, but of course, with each passing day, the contract becomes a little, you know, little less tough, I should say. But it just depends. If Wall plays well enough, then maybe they don't have to move him. But if he does play well enough, and and James Harden still wants out, a topic that we'll discuss here shortly, um, then you know you might have to blow that thing up. <clears throat> and in in that case, what's the difference between Wall and Westbrook? If Wall's back playing healthy and playing at the same level, you've at least got one pick, one asset out of it. And then, you know, you're trying to find a team that could use a point guard. But, yeah. Although, although Dave, I'll, I'll say this, that, you know, there are reports saying that, you know, the Knicks, who a lot of us have tried to – who viewed as, oh, we, the Knicks will take Russ. Um, you know, it, reports were that they weren't going to take him unless we include – unless the Rockets included picks with him. Uh, I think the second team offered a pick back, they just took the deal – and which is why I, I think Wall is is probably a rocket for the next three years because I don't think there's any scenario in which they're going to get a pick or not have to include picks with Wall. I think if this doesn't work, Harden's gone, and then it's just asset accumulation mode. They're not going to waste picks to dump contracts when they're probably going to cut salary elsewhere anyway. So right. I, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed, you know, Wall if he's he- Wall if he's healthy is a great player, but that's you know we don't know if that's who we got. Um, good defender by the way. Uh, if he you know definitely would be an improvement defensively over us. Um, but again, you know, I got my that's a fairly crossed. low bar though. But I hear you. Yes. Yeah, it's it. I'm skeptical. I'm. I don't want to say cautiously optimistic because I'm really not optimistic, but I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful like you. Uh, and you know, we'll see what we got. Maybe, maybe it's a, you know, it's a steal and he, he returns to form and, and we're, we're better off, but you know, I'm, I'll just wait and see. Yeah. And he does have, he does have the, the major injuries and these are major, um, but at least he is a couple years younger than than Russ, and you've got the same three-year contract. Again, maybe that's a wash with the injury history, and and um, you know, or, or maybe even worse with the injury history. But you know, and as far as Russ is concerned, I think Russ is going to go to Washington, and he's going to boost that team. But I just think, you know, if he has his role that he had in OKC, and he's he's the the one ball dominant high usage leader and, and kicking it out to Beal, they'll be good, but there will always be a cap 
on a Russell Westbrook team. There's a, there's a ceiling that, that's not up to the championship. That's not going to happen. Uh, not in this day and age when three-pointer is king, and I just cannot see how a high-usage guard um, can take it to that level when he can't shoot the three-pointer. He's he, you know He talked before this last season, before he was traded to the Rockets, about improving – uh, his three-point shot, and that was what he was going to work on extensively in the summer, and he got worse. Um, wasn't good from three. Um, so that's that's my hope, is that somehow the Rockets can, can become a better three-point shooting team. I don't think they've added um, a ton of shooting, but we do now have Christian Wood here. We can talk about that as well. But before we do, I want to talk about James Harden um, and – you know, this sort of slipping out the back door request to go play with Kevin Durant, which again, I think has to have been played a role in upsetting Russell Westbrook as well. I mean, there's a history there between him and Durant and here's Harden slipping out the back door after one year uh, of playing with Russ in in a COVID season and wanting out uh, that quickly and to go play with somebody who at least, you know, for a while was his arch nemesis. Um, I'm sure that didn't sit very well with Russ, but you know, to me, I was extremely disappointed when I found out it, it, I lost a little bit of faith in Harden when I found out that's what he was, you know, trying to do because I felt like the Rockets were in this situation to a large extent because of him. You know, like I said, I mentioned that unguardable tour. I think his head just got a little bit too big and the Rockets created a monster by, by giving him so much power and control. And to some extent, a player that good has to have that control or, or has to have that kind of input. But I think he, he leveraged his power a little bit too much and, and it, it burned the entire team. So for him to slip out uh, to me, I, I just, it didn't sit well. No, I completely agree with you, Dave. It's, you know, had he had, had he not had his fingerprints all over the, the, the Russell Westbrook trade, and, you know, the, the management alone was failing him. Ownership alone was failing him. I, you know, I would, I would have a little more pity for his situation if he wants to win a championship and doesn't think he can do it in Houston. Uh, but just get, given everything this organization has done to cater to him, and, you know, d- deservedly so, he's, a, he's amazing. He's amazing. The second greatest player in this franchise's history. Um, yeah, easily. But, but you know, it, it, I, I don't feel too bad for him, uh, given his role with getting Westbrook and the the fact that this organization does, you know, does nearly everything it can to cater to him, short of short of paying luxury tax. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, you know, I will say I, I was surprised that he would be okay with trading Russ. I felt they were married, attached at the hip from now on. Um, I, I thought if Russ is gone, Harden's gone. That's that was what I thought would be the you know before any of this started to happen. Uh, you know, he called the Rockets every day. Where's Russ? Have we got Russ yet? I mean, that was he was pushing that extensively, and I think it's it's fair game now to criticize James Harden as um, is it tough to play with James Harden? I've never felt it was. I felt like he's made players better. He's not a selfish player on the court. He's very willing to pass. He wants to win. I think that's plainly obvious. But his ego is at to a point now where you can't really coach, you can't really tell him, uh, you know, what to do or or adjust um, any things or, or or criticize his game. I mean, to to overlook the perfect fit of a teammate in Chris Paul. And yes, I understand Paul was, um, you know, struggling with injuries and, and, uh, you know, looked like maybe he was in a a bit of a decline. I did not, I did not buy that. I thought he was just, um, overcoming some of those things, but age is certainly always an issue. Um, for him to overlook how good of a fit he was next to Harden and what they could do together and, you know, turn, like I said, go to his friend, which, is plainly obvious wasn't a good fit. Uh, it, to me, it's um, like I said, it's just a knock on Harden as far as can you really be a, a, a second star and and play with James Harden? I mean, we've had we've seen this issue now, 
Dwight Howard, he lasted the longest. Paul lasted a couple years. Westbrook, his his one of his great friends, lasts one year. Um, you so know, at this rate, John Wall's out by the yeah, premium. Exactly. For like uh, <laughs> next Friday, you know. I mean, it's it's um like a rapid rate of decay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's fair, you know. And I, the Rockets right now, they need a fully committed James Harden. They need a full buy-in. And and Coach Silas said. You know, he expects that and he doesn't seem concerned about not having it, but he's just he's taking a step back. He's he's you know, he hasn't talked to James Harden since the trade of Russell Westbrook. Um, he says he's giving him his space. So I'm fine with that. I've been impressed with Silas uh, since they brought him in. I, I really like the hire. Um, but right now, my uh, my frustration is is with James Harden. I think he needs to win the city back a little bit. And I'm a little concerned on Sunday or Monday when he you know, talks to the media that he's going to play it off and just be like next question or, or, or gruff. And I think that is going to be the wrong approach. It's going to backfire on him if he doesn't attack this head on as in either squash the rumors or just say, yeah, you know, I, I, I looked at that as an option, but I want to be here or, or what have you. I think he needs to um, win, win some faith back from the fans. I agree. And then you, you, you touched on it a second ago. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least uh, comment on the hiring of, of Steven Silas, which I thought was a great hire. I thought the Rockets would mess this one up, but uh, thankfully they did not. Uh, it sounded like he was some sort of compromise, but but I think they ended up with, the, with you know, the, uh, the most intriguing candidate I, I've I've been intrigued with him for a couple of years. He's an offensive genius, so well prepared. I'm excited for the things he can do. And I just feel terrible for him finally getting a head coaching gig where he thinks he's going to be coaching two superstars. One's out the door, doesn't know if the guy he got back is, is, is still a star. And his number one guy maybe has a one foot out the door. So. I feel really awful for Silas. I really am hoping that, that Harden, like you said, he kind of mans up and, you know, addresses this head on, comes fully committed, and I'm excited to see what he can do in Silas's offense. Yeah, give him a chance. I, I, I agree with you. We, we haven't found a disagreement yet so far. Maybe we'll get to one here. But, but yeah, I like Silas a lot. Impressed by the hire. Um, I didn't want to see them go with Van Gundy as much as I love Jeff. I think Jeff Van Gundy is incredible. I just, <clears throat> I didn't he's, think he's my favorite Rockets coach of all time. Yeah. And I still wanted Silas over him. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly how I would describe it as well. I mean, if he was here, I would feel nostalgic about it and it, w- it would be great to talk to Jeff. Um, although it's better to talk to Jeff Van Gundy when he's not the coach of the Houston Rockets than it is when he is the coach of the Houston Rockets. And he's I probably say, got a sunnier disposition. Yes, I can say that from experience. Um, that's exactly right. But, you know, I thought they did they did well with the hire. And, you know, Rafael Stone's the new GM. I was extremely shocked uh, when Daryl Morey um, up and left. I probably can understand that. And, you know, there's been some – uh, Maury slander from a few fans. I am absolutely not on board with that at all. I think Daryl Morey was a brilliant general manager, is a brilliant general manager, and is having the same impact in Philly that he had here. I mean, I think he makes smart, calculated, shrewd moves, and all of his disciples, if you want to call call them that, including Rafael Stone, um, follow that those same guidelines. I think you'll see that out of McNair, out of Rosas in, in uh, McNair in Sacramento, Rosas in Minnesota. You know, we saw that with Hinky. I think, making, um, you know, smart decisions to, to build a team for a future. Uh, you know, I have nothing at all bad to say about Daryl Morey unless I was to find out that he was the driving force behind the Westbrook trade. But I know that's not the case. Um, so to me, uh, you know, I think his legacy here is secure. I thought he was an outstanding general manager. Well, I'm going to have to step in there and disagree with you, Dave. Okay, I think Daryl Moore was terrible. I never <laughs> agree with any of his moves, and I think he's horrible. Um, I'm kidding, of course. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I won't lie. I kind of shed a tear or two when I when I heard the news about Daryl leaving. Uh, I think um, a, a large part of Clutch fans, and and you and I for sure, are among his uh, most ardent fans, and. Um, 
you know, I, I'm really sad to see him leave. I think, I think he may go down in history as the greatest GM this team's ever had. Yes, they didn't win a championship, but I don't think it was because of him. Um, but, uh, but, but as far as Rafael Stone is concerned, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic about him. He's really, really smart guy, really shrewd. Uh, he's been with the organization for a while. And, and like he said in his introductory press conference, he has been intimately involved with every move the Rockets have made over the better part of a decade. Um, so they're not going to, they're not going to lose a lot. They're not going to miss a lot of steps. Uh, going from, from Maury to Stone. And I, and I, I do have to say, I've been pleasantly surprised with the moves he's made thus far, being able to accumulate extra draft picks without the team getting materially worse as far as the players. Um, I think he's done a pretty good job so far. Yeah. I, I've, I've been fine with Stone. I feel like. He's an extent, basically a continuation of what Daryl built here. And again, I'm not trying to credit Daryl for for everything, um, but you know this this uh, system that that he built here continues. Um, Stone learned as far as being a GM under uh, Daryl. He has his own lawyer background, that his own skill set. Um, so I, you know, to me, I, I guess I think he's going to be fine. Um, I think he's done a great job so far. Um, you know, jury's still out long term here, but I, I've been impressed with the moves that he's made so far. You know, I, and just before we leave the Daryl topic, I just want to say I think uh, sincerely when I think back to 2006 when they hired him and all of us were scratching our heads and, you know, Clutch fans led by me, I'm going to say it right now, uh, flipped out when he traded Rudy Gay for Shane Battier, when, even though technically Carol Dawson was still the GM, pretty obvious that Daryl was uh, the driving force of that trade. And, you know, he proved us all wrong. I mean, Rudy Gay had a, had a fine career, but, I mean, Shane Battier was an outstanding fit uh, around Tracy McGrady and, and Yao Ming. And, um, you know, he was the no-stats all-star. He literally had an impact on the game on, on winning, uh, you know, right out of the gate. And I think, um, you know, Daryl, in my opinion, changed the game in, in that now every single team has an analytics department. I mean, at the time, it was a puzzling maneuver how Les Alexander could bring in this guy, um, you know, who's, you know, analytics driven. And, yeah, he had some uh, basketball operations work in Boston, but he was also working on the ticket side. It just seemed at the time a little bit odd. And um, Daryl impressed me pretty much the entire time. I mean, I think the main two things that Daryl did that I that I strongly agreed. Excuse me. I know. I know. I know. I think I know both of them. Yes, I'm sure you do. The two things did that one he, of them I, happened in 2011. <laughs> yes, <laughs> is you know letting Goran Dragic go, and granted he was unrestricted and bringing in Lynn. I mean, that was clearly a less Alexander-driven decision, and and I think the same thing with the Russell Westbrook decision. That was uh, an owner decision. Now, he made some mistakes along the way. Terrence Williams comes to mind, but he made a lot of great trades. I mean, he brought in guys, um, you know, at times for pennies that would end up being extremely solid contributors. Uh, you know, he discovered Patrick Beverly or really brought him over, um, you know, from Russia at the time. Um, Scola um, getting Lowry for, you know, Ray for Alston at the time, which was, you know, basically the end of his you know, end of his career and, and Lowry's this budding superstar um, getting Goran Dragic and a first round pick for Aaron Brooks. I mean, to me, uh, Daryl was always able to find value um, when he didn't have a lot to work with, you know, when he had either a couple of stars or his, just how he um, worked everything to build a team to, to get Harden and then be able to sign Dwight Howard I mean, he put the Rockets on the map without ever losing, which, you know, the whole time I was calling for the team to tank in the, during those years, and they never had to. So, um, you know, anyway, I just want to tip my cap to Daryl. I thought he did a great job here. I would have loved if he could have brought a title to Houston, but, you know, in my opinion, he built the team to do it, and they just came up a hamstring short. So, um, you know, I wish him uh, sincerely. If the Rockets are eliminated, I'm wishing nothing but uh, uh, Philly to win because I I uh, I just respect Daryl that much and I think he's going to do a great job out there. Um, 
but before uh, there's lots of other things here. We've got Demarcus mm-hmm. Cousins. We've got Christian Wood. Um, you know, I I commented on Twitter today. I think that uh, Christian Wood's probably the safest bet of a jersey you could buy right now. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, I got, like you just don't know who else is going to be here in a year. But um, you know, I think the Christian Wood signing um, was a great move. I'll just say it has great upside. It is not a home run in the sense that we know he's going to be great. I think that anytime you add a player from a losing team who puts up numbers, uh, you know, you, you have to be concerned of how he fits into a winning structure. And anytime a player gets, you know, that first big payday, you have to worry as well. Um, but if he, if he can show that sort of defensive anchor ability um, and can stretch the floor and the you know, three point shooting is not a fluke, I mean, I think the Rockets got a gem here. I mean, a guy who could really be proved quickly to be worth more than his contract. Um, he's got the skill set. DeMarcus Cousins called him uh, similar to an Anthony Davis as far as the intangibles that he brings. And he's, you know, he's got a similar type of wingspan and, and length. And uh, you know, he's not Anthony Davis. I'm not going to say that. And But I'm just saying he's he can play a similar type of role. Um for the Rockets and uh, and now you've you've got some big men who can spread the floor. Yeah, I mean, I think getting Christian Wood was a was a a, a tremendous move, and the 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 amount of preparation and maneuvering that the team that the front office had to do to get him was incredible. Um, you don't get him, I think, without the Robert Covington trade getting Ariza and two first round picks, then setting up a deal with Detroit who, you know, could sign and trade him to the Rockets, getting a trade in place so that when free agency begins, you can turn that into a sign and trade. Uh, Knowing that that's a guy they wanted to target. And that was really the only way they were going to be able to get him. You, You set in place a trade with Detroit then you can always amend it, which they ended up doing, to turn it into a sign-and-trade. They added some pick protections, threw in a second-round pick and some more cash um, to turn it into what became the Wood sign-and-trade. But there are multiple maneuvers they had to do to just be in position to get Wood in the sign-and-trade. So uh, hats off to Stone and, and, and uh, Eli Wydas and, and the rest of the people in the front office for, for the maneuvering they did to get him. Uh, I think he's a great fit, like you said. You know, it is a small sample size of his, uh, you know, high-level ability, but, you know, the talent is there. And now that he's been paid like the talent that he is, you're hoping that that he's got the confidence and the the work ethic to to see it through because he's, you know, I think he's one of the steals of free agency. And then it's – you know, off season where the national media has been killing the Rockets left and right. I think this has been one bright spot where even the national media has given kudos, well, you know, well-earned kudos to the Rockets. Yeah. You know, and um, I'm not saying he's similar to a Hassan Whiteside, but it's interesting that he's kind of followed the same path as Whiteside um, in the sense that Whiteside was at one point in the Vipers program. Christian Wood was as well. Um, and, created a bit of uh you know, there was rocket fan interest in watching both of those guys uh, at the time when they were on the Vipers, but they bounced around to several teams were cut by some teams. Um, and then just something clicked with them. Now Whiteside got the massive payday and then, you know, you can, you can criticize how he played from there, but you know, he, he was a little bit of a late bloomer I mean, he got started very early and same thing with Wood. So, um, you know, I, I think he's going to do great here. I, I think, um, uh, you know, interestingly enough, you've now got a five who's got the length and can shoot. So he, ideally you would think it, this would be better for a small ball lineup, if you want to call it that. Really, it's skill ball with Russell Westbrook. I mean, you, you had Westbrook and then now you've got four shooters uh, and you don't have to have Tucker um, playing the center at, in that scenario. Um but again, I thought Tucker did a fine job. I just think that once the Lakers themselves went small, if you want to call it that, moving Davis to center and then bringing in Markeith, they were bigger than the Rockets 
shot the three better than the Rockets, which was a big puzzler. Um, and the Rockets just got blown, you know, blown out of the building. So, um, to me, you know, I think Russ would have done fine, you know, in the, in the options that the Rockets had this season. But again, I think your your ceiling is just a little bit limited with him. Hopefully, like like we've talked about, Wall is healthy and they can still do some similar things. Um, but I, you know, I'm very excited about them being able to go five out and um, have you know plenty of shooters on the floor, guys who can spread the floor. And as Silas said also go into the paint. And so that leads me really into the other guy they've added in DeMarcus Cousins, which was a huge shock. I mean, I love this move. I don't know if it's going to be Carmelo Anthony 2.0 or if it's going to be, um, you know, a boom uh, addition. But there's really no risk, um, nothing but upside in my opinion, um, unless you want to, you know, talk about the negative uh, stories that were written about the Rockets after letting Carmelo Anthony go. They're really just, there's just not a high risk or high cost in adding to Marcus Cousins. And he says he feels great. Um, I mean, this was a guy that most people expected to get a max contract before his initial Achilles tear, ironically against the Rockets uh, several years back. Um, I mean, there's some upside here. I'm not counting on him getting back to, to his old form, but I mean, this is a guy who's extremely talented and, you know, he's he's had some monster games against the Rockets. Yeah, I mean, he's immensely talented, if healthy. Again, we have the we have the the what the the 2010 Kentucky Wildcat, uh, <laughs> if healthy All Stars. Yeah. Um, but and in, in, in when you talk about this being a low risk, it it is literally no risk. He is on a he is on a training camp deal. Uh, it is a completely non-guaranteed contract. They could they could cut him before the end of training camp, and they don't owe him a penny. Um, so it, it really is low risk. And if he's if he's healthy, you know he he's just a really high upside player. Um, you know you you worry about attitude issues and and you know is he gonna stick to a role if he's if he's supposed to be a backup is he is he going to honor his role is he going to push you know is he going to complain about playing time you worry about those things but you know given what you're paying him it's uh you know you can always cut him if things go bad but if things go right it just the upside is extremely high so it's 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 a no-lose situation for the Rockets yeah Cousins um you know, his I think his final year with uh, the Pelicans, I mean, he was a high-volume three-point shooter. I think he was taking over six a game and shooting well at league average, uh, if not slightly better. So, I mean, he's got that ability uh, to, to stretch the floor. He could put the ball on the floor, go to the basket. I mean, there were several times, that, uh, you know, even when he was with the Warriors where he was just feasting on Capella, uh, just attacking the basket. Um, you know, I – I don't think he's necessarily an ideal fit for like a switching uh, defensive lineup. I mean, even Cousins himself said he he envisions taking the bigger man and letting Wood take you know more of the versatile fours and, and the versatile bigs. Um, but you know, to me, you know, the Rockets went from no centers to adding two very good ones that can stretch the floor, and if you need need that that bucket inside, can do that as well. And and there's alley oop threats now for James Harden. I mean, he's got to look around and realize that's back. And that was a huge part of his game before Russell Westbrook and, and you know Clint Capella then got traded. A huge part of his game. I mean, the, the, it, it was one of the unstoppable tenets, if you want to call it that, of of James Harden. I mean, he could drive and score himself, but if you collapsed on him, he was going to throw it over the top to the roll man. Or he was going to kick it out to, to a shooter if they collapsed on that. So that that got taken away from him, and that was, I mean, that that was tough. I mean, you expected to get instead uh, the cutting of of Russell Westbrook and attacking the basket, and you did at times. But you know, now you've added that back to James Harden. I think it's going to make him more lethal this year. Um, so anyway, I, I'm rambling here, but I just feel like the center additions that they've had here, uh, both of them, I, I think, are great. They're definitely better than the true centers the Rockets had last year. <laughs> That's why you are the podcast guest today. I mean, it's that <laughs> kind of insight. 
that, that you just can't get anywhere else. Totally different clutch fans podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, I think um, on Friday we're going to hear from, I believe, uh, Ben McLemore and David Nwaba. Um, and I hope I I, uh, I think, you know, both of those guys can play a role this year as, uh, as well. Ben McLemore's on a great contract. Um, Nwaba, I'm very interested to see how he plays. I mean, uh, you know, he's a little small, but I mean, he's tough and hard nosed defensive player. Um you know, there's some potential there, and I'm I'm hoping he can he can uh, carve out a role. They've added some players that are interesting. I mean, we, we they got Kenya Martin Jr. in the draft. I, you know, he's 19. I think you're probably going to see him with the Vipers. But I mean, there's some exciting potential there. I mean, he this kid is a leaper, very athletic, very young, and, and you love to see a guy with that kind of skill set um, taken at that age. I mean, from the you know for the next two three years, he's still got a lot of uh, development to do so i really like the upside of that pick and it really didn't cost them a lot you know i think one million in cash and then the uh pick that they ended up buying for 4.6 million in cash uh oh, they, we, we we know they didn't buy that for 4.6 come on right they were, right, they were right, paying right. down a reason's salary correct correct but i'm just saying you know that's the, the the pick that they you know spun it or however you want to say it is that they actually paid for that pick so basically more or less it was that second round pick which was fairly worthless um, you know, or just not a very high value uh, associated with it. But, um, you know, I liked that addition. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a little concerned about losing Covington, but I think you've got enough assets to move. They did lose Jeff Green. Eric Gordon is a huge X factor this year. I mean, they've got to get a better Eric Gordon than they got last season. He struggled in the playoffs, struggled for much of the year, shooting from three, a former um, three-point shooting contest champion, just his shot completely betrayed him last year and he's talked about being healthier this year and, and he feels great. Uh, I'm hoping his shot comes back and he never clicked with Westbrook on the second units that never really happened. And I'm not blaming Russ for that, but for whatever reason, they didn't have the chemistry that, that Gordon and Paul did. Um, and uh, hopefully that they can, um, you know, him and John Wall can maybe connect on those second units. That, that's really, I think, uh, they lost Austin Rivers as well. I mean, Rivers goes to New York. I think I think the plan was for Rivers to, to, to be here again, but I think there's just so much change happened and, you know, the chance to go to New York where his dad played as well, I think that was probably tough to pass up. Um, Daniel House, that's another guy I got to talk about because I think he handled himself well in his media availability to address this bubble issue. Um, you know, he came out and apologized before anyone could even ask a question. And I thought he, you know, did not, uh, you know, add any excuses or any, uh, caveats to anything that he had to say. He was just flat out apologetic to the fans, to the, to the owner, to the, his teammates, to everybody. Um, and honestly he needed to do that because I mean, that was just, you know, dumb and and just cost the Rockets a lot and and I know Laker fans and everyone else mocks uh, anyone who says oh like Daniel House would have made a difference he was a key player for that team and they didn't have many guys who could fill that role uh, you know they they their rotation was not that deep and I'm not going to say Daniel House is the difference in winning that series but he's definitely a difference in making that series a lot closer I think and um you know for him to kind of do what he did I think that that uh I'm I'm proud of the Rockets for accepting him back, but I, I expected him to be gone. To be totally honest, yeah, I, I I think they handled it appropriately. He's he's too good of a player, and he was playing so well in the bubble. You don't just you know you don't just dump a, a, an asset like that. It, you know you you try to make it work. You know, I actually thought they're trying to make it work with Russ, but we we saw that didn't happen. But uh, I'm happy that that House is back. Um, I think he knows that it's zero tolerance time. He needs to put up or or shut up, and you know, <laughs> he's not allowed to order room service. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I understand. I understand in the sense that you know, if he has another slip up, you know, there's there's going to be uh, probably repercussions, but and I understand also that, you know, he's he's cheap. 
I mean, it's, he's for his talent level and what he adds to the team. I mean, he he doesn't cost the Rockets a lot of money, um, and that's tough to come by, especially when you're hard capped. And I'm I'll let you uh, kind of take us through what you expect the Rockets to do, you know, rest of the year with their cap situation. But uh, I can understand how you know he's a valuable asset in that regard. But I. I guess I just have to say I'm proud of the Rockets teammates for accepting him back because I'm sure they felt betrayed at that time. No, no doubt. And and I think that that's a perfect segue, like you said, to, you know, the reason why they need good, cheap talent like House is because they're, the Rockets are now subject to a hard cap uh, by, by taking Christian Wood in via sign and trade. That was one of, uh, one of a few triggers uh, for a hard cap, which uh, means that they are not allowed to uh, have their team salary exceed what's called the apron level, which is about between six and seven million dollars above the luxury tax threshold. Okay. Um, that this is not a soft cap like like most teams are subject to. Uh, there's no exceptions to this hard cap. It is. There's it's called a hard cap for a reason. And, and it's Rockets, this year only, right? Unless they do do something like this again next year. Correct. It is only for the 2021 season. And once the league years changes over to the following season, they're no longer subject unless they do another thing that would trigger during that league year. Um, and where the Rockets salary currently stands, they are, right up against it to the point where they needed to sign guys like DeMarcus Cousins and Gerald Green to training camp non-guaranteed deals in order to avoid busting the hard cap because they wouldn't be able to field a training camp, uh, a full training camp otherwise. So even though I think we both think that that, that Boogie's going to make the, the 15-man roster, um, you know, they're going to have to cut some people including some people that you might slot into to a spot, like maybe a Chris Clemens, who's on a non-guaranteed deal. They might have to cut, they might have to cut him. There's, there's a few guys like uh, Bruno Caboclo, Jerry and Grant, who they signed and uh, Jay Sean Tate, who's uh, an intriguing young player. They yeah. got over from, from the Sydney Kings. I originally, Played college ball in Ohio State and was was playing in Australia and and, and looks looks really intriguing, kind of like a smaller um, uh, PJ Tucker, kind of a Mario Eli type of player. Yeah, so um, so they come smaller than PJ Tucker then, as far as centers. Yeah, yeah they're they're trying they're they're breeding them smaller and smaller until they have a a five foot nine center. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the Rockets. They did some interesting things the way they set up some of these contracts where they they only guaranteed them for fifty thousand dollars, which is a key number because if you get if you're guaranteed more than fifty thousand and you're cut, you are ineligible to play for that team's G League affiliate. So I think some of these things like Jerry and Grant's deal, for instance, you know if he gets cut, he might be able to go you know play for the Vipers. Um, and they had to do it this way because. They're going to have to cut some people and they can't have dead guaranteed money on their cap sheet because it's, they're just so close. I, by my estimates, they, they cannot field a 15 man roster out of training camp. They will have to, they can only have 14 players plus two two way players, um, to start the season. And it's good. It's going to be until, you know, barring some trades. It's going to be until a little ways into the season before they're even allowed to have a 15th man. That's how close they are to the hard cap. Yeesh. See, that's one of the reasons I thought when they traded Westbrook, if they traded Westbrook, that they were going to take back a little less salary. I mean, I'm not saying that that's you know easier said than done, or I guess it is easier said than done. But I'm just that's where hey, the hang now, Dave. The um, John Wall makes a hundred and four thousand dollars less than Russell Westbrook. How oh, this season, right? Doesn't this he make season. a touch? He makes a touch more in the third year, right? Yeah, no, he actually makes more total money than Russ uh, by a little bit. But for this season, he, he makes slightly more. <laughs> this is not a material amount of money in the grand scheme of things. But sure. you know, every every dollar may count. Who knows that that hundred thousand dollars may be the difference between busting the hard cap or not by the end of the season. <laughs> Well, um, not yeah, not to jump on John Wall. I sincerely hope that there's something truly there with him. I'm, I'm, 
I'm hoping he can uh, can turn this thing around as far as <clears throat> in the Westbrook role. But you know, I you know we talked about Eric, trading Eric Gordon. That was a talk uh, of this of the offseason as well. Whether Gordon would be dealt. Um, his contract is an interesting one as well. I uh, you know fresh off an extension last year. So um, I, you know I don't know where they save money to be able to do things later on like buy out candidates or. You know, and how many of these guys, you mentioned a couple of two-way contracts and things of that nature, but, you know, I expect Kenya Martin Jr., probably Mason Jones to to star more or less at the Vipers this year, um, you know, sort of be those those lead prospects. And it's nice to have a couple of prospects to look at again. You know, what what can they do in that regard as far as carving out a little bit of space to, to add guys that they may need later? I mean, it, they're... Eric Gordon does seem like the most obvious choice. Um, but like you said, coming off a real down year for him, you know, he's viewed as a negative asset in trades now. Um, you know, they, they did get some extra picks. So if, if the right move comes along and they can, you know, get a decent player and create some breathing room under the hard cap by, by moving Gordon with a pick or maybe two picks, although you hate to see that, um, you know, they, they have, it will be easier for them to move Gordon now than it was before the draft um, just because they have those picks now. But you, you have to think that, that Harden is untouchable. And if they do trade him, they're blowing it all up anyway. I think Wood is, I mean, Wood, Wood is untouchable. I would say Wood is close to untouchable. I think they view him as a core piece. I think Wall is completely untradeable. Which really just leaves if you're going to make a meaningful move with involving, you know, decent sized salary, you're really looking at Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker. Um, and PJ Tucker's less than 8 million. Uh, Gordon's a shade under 17 million. So, uh, you know, the, the Rockets still have a good chunk of their mid-level exception left over. So there is, if they were to create some room, they actually could be highly competitive in like the buyout market if someone you know special come comes loose, shakes loose, uh, you know, in the second half of the season. But the problem is they have they have you know six they have almost seven million left of their mid level, but they they're not allowed to spend it because they're up against the hard cap. So they really would need to trade out more salary than they take back in trades before they really could create the breathing room to use that MLE on buyout guys. And they're out of cash this year to, to make trades, um, you know, after the draft day deals. So that's probably involving second round picks. If they got any left in the, in the chamber or, or knock on wood. Or, or, or one minor thing they could do in lieu of trading, uh, like a second round pick to, to move out salary is, uh, I think the most, uh, monumental move of the offseason, Dave, which was the the sign and trade of Austin Rivers that involved and I'm I don't know if I'm gonna be able to to finish the sentence without breaking down that they <laughs> traded the draft rights to Sergio Yule. Well I do feel like we need to mourn Yule a little bit. I mean it's amazing to me, right? I mean that that it took us eleven years to realize basically his name is you surrounded by L's. I mean, and that's basically what they took the whole time they had him is just L's. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I mean, the guy was so good. I mean, he could have been, I think, really good in the NBA. Um, been dealing with some injuries, and, you know, that ship has now sailed. But, um, yeah, it's it's tough to lose Sergio Yulgas. There were, you know, a few years there where we really thought he was coming over. I, I mean, he, in 2015, he was extremely close to coming over and, Possibly being the starting point guard for the Rockets. Yeah. Uh, um, but I, but I, I, I jokingly say that. I mean, obviously he, he he's not coming over. Right. Um, but but one thing they did get, and and he's probably maybe not ever going to be an NBA player, but they they got the rights to a young point guard, Isu uh, uh, Sanan. Um, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Um, but he's a 21 year old who is, is something, you know, he's not someone for sure is never going to come to the NBA. Uh, now they actually have like draft rights to an actual 
second round pick who, who might one day develop and come over, that could be something they use to dump salary, you know, but although I think that would be more if he needed to dump, you know, if Sterling Brown doesn't work out for you, which I'm a good signing by the way. Uh, but if he's not playing well and you need to create some room, you could attach Sanon's draft rights to Sterling Brown and dump his salary, something like that on a smaller scale. But, but, you know, another shrewd move to, get a small trade exception for Austin Rivers. And in the process, you traded away some foreign prospect rights of guys that are never going to sniff the NBA in exchange for a young player who could sniff the NBA possibly. Uh, so, you know, these little things at the margins, you know, that, that's something Daryl was so good at. And yeah. another good example that, that Stone's front office is, is kind of thinking ahead like that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's some moves they made, like the Jay Sean Tate and, and move that, that are similar to Daryl-type moves. But I think this team has has some holes. I mean, can Jerry and Grant fill the, uh, you know, the backup point guard role? I, um, you know, I, right now, it, they, you know, with John Wall, I mean, you can't expect him to play a full season, certainly. No, I, don't, I don't think you can. Um, so you've got a backup point guard issue, I think. Uh, and you know, so if they, it's, that's why I think we're talking about this so much of what they can do to, to add somebody, you know, because, um, they do need to fill out some of those, those holes. But of course, all of this hangs on James Harden. I mean, if James Harden wants out still, which, you know, hopefully that's not the case, then, you know, we're looking at blow up city at, at that point anyway, if it gets to that stage. But, um, you know, as far as this team trying to contend, that, that's a piece that they need. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, as much as uh, I forget if you were on the same page as me back then, Dave, but I remember in, in 2015 in the draft, I really wanted the Rockets to draft Jeremy Grant um, with the pick that they ended up using on, on Sam Decker. Yeah. Uh, Grant has not uh, fared as well as I hoped he would in the NBA, um, but I'm intrigued. Uh, but between him and Clemens, you know, two guys that don't have much of an NBA track record, and you're looking at one of those guys to maybe fill the shoes of an Austin Rivers. I mean, I, I heard um, some people saying that uh, Sterling Brown might actually have some ball handling responsibilities, which seemed a little odd to me. Doesn't strike me as much of a ball handler, but um, yeah, if, if Wall is not healthy. You're looking at, you know, Harden at the point. Um, Eric Gordon can handle it a little bit, but you don't want him to be your primary ball yeah, handler. Not for long stretches. Yeah, and, and outside of that, you know, who do you have that can handle the ball? Like, I really do think that either Grant needs to come in or Clemens needs to come in and really surprise some people. Um, or, you know, they, 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 again, they have guys on non-guaranteed deals or – on minimally guaranteed deals, they can always cut a couple people and, and add another person to, to to train to the training camp roster. You know, someone like a Shabazz Napier has not been signed yet. He's you know I, I think he's one of the be- better point guards that are still on the still still free agents. You know, someone like that I think that that could that could be your backup point guard. But um, they, they do have a lot of intriguing. Uh, young guys, I think they did a really good job of, you know, l- losing the, the mid thirties guys and adding some mid twenties guys. Um, but, but yeah, I agree with you. I think the most glaring need just on paper, I think is a, is a legit backup point guard. Yeah. Well, uh, Jeff Green missed his opportunity for a, a key point forward role. You know, I guess he yeah. uh, headed out to Brooklyn there, but, um, you know, he was, he was good in the playoffs. He had some really good games. Uh, but you know, I, I guess before we close here, we, there was so much to cover. I mean, there, there's just, you know, and please jump Wait, in. So did, did we try Clint Capella? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, this did happen. Um, I, I can send you the details later, but, uh, okay. yeah, he's, uh, he's playing for Atlanta now. Um, okay. but you know, I mean, if, if they can get everybody on board, that's the bottom line. If they can get James Harden to be on board with the Houston Rockets. I, I'm not going to say this is a championship team, but I'm excited about the possibilities. I mean, you've got Harden, Gordon, Tucker, House. I mean, those guys can shoot. 
that's that's four shooters that you got right there. And then, you know, how's Wall going to fit in? Uh, and, and excuse me, I didn't even mention uh, Christian Wood. So, um, you know, that's you've got players now that can shoot and spread the floor. You don't have that knockdown, you know, 40% shooter. I would absolutely love to have a J.J. Redick on this team, a guy that you can just count on to make that open three off of a, off of a James Harden kickout. Um, but they've got good shooters. Um, and so I'm excited about the possibilities with Silas. I think the team's going to be pretty good, um, but there's just so much variance in where this team could go based on James Harden's mindset, based on John Wall's health, DeMarcus Cousins' health, um, how Christian Wood fits in. I mean, this team could miss the playoffs. I don't think that they will if Harden buys in. I think Harden buying in gets this team in the playoffs by itself. Um, but, yeah. but uh, you know, they do have that wide of a gap as far as where they could be uh, – where they could f- finish out because of so many things that we just don't know right now. I mean, I, I really think that Rockets fans need to, and I know it's difficult given everything that's going on in the news of, about Harden, but I, I would not let this opportunity, you know, pass you by to appreciate and enjoy James Harden, the basketball player, um, you know, It'd be great if he rededicates himself to the team long-term, plays the rest of his career here and retires a rocket in a few years, uh, several years. Um, but, you know, even if they don't trade him this year, uh, unless they just have an amazing year, you know, I, I would not put a lot of – I would put not put a lot of my money on the line that, that, that he's a rocket long-term. Um that could just be me being overly pessimistic, but I, rather than, than than dwell on that, I, I want to take this opportunity this season and just enjoy James Harden and all of his excellence. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a brilliant basketball player. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I think he's a. Uh, I think he's the greatest offensive weapon in the game, and I know Kevin Durant is outstanding, but I think <clears throat> James Harden can do more things. I think Durant's a little bit better shooter. Um, but, you know, to me, uh, you know, if if Brooklyn, if it actually was like, hey, we can't trade Kyrie Irving, no, I would I would swap Kyrie Irving for James Harden in a heartbeat. And I, I personally wouldn't even want Kyrie Irving, especially not when we already have John Wall. But, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, James Harden is a significant upgrade over Kyrie Irving, uh, especially alongside um, Kevin Durant. But. I don't think it's unfair what you said, uh, David. I think if the Rockets don't impress, you know, this year, I mean, they they are no longer in the the uh, control seat with one year left on his deal. They'd have to make they'd have to something would need to happen because they cannot afford to let him just flat out walk when you could set yourself up for a rebuild by dealing him. So the the hope is obviously they win him over this year and he wants to stay long term. That would be great. But if it doesn't happen, like you said, I mean, trade deadline or this next offseason, I would not be surprised if they're moving him. Uh, David, we, we, we said a mouthful. There's a lot in there, man. If there, anything else you want to cover that, that I miss, you know, speak now or forever hold your peace. Because um, it'd probably be about nine months before the next podcast. <laughs> uh, I didn't want, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that shortly after our last podcast, the Rockets both traded for and then immediately after traded away one Jordan Bell. And I just wanted to make sure that was on the record. The Jordan Bell was a rocket for about five minutes. And and it was a glorious five minutes. It felt <laughs> it felt easily like seven minutes to me. I mean it was five on the clock, but I mean I thought yeah, I was supposed to fly when you're having fun. I mean, you all the things that ran through my head. I'm like, we got the next Draymond Green. We, he's coming right in. He's going to have this defensive impact. I'm excited. This is what I've been waiting hey, for. Hey, best moving screen setter in the league, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was the most blatant non-call you ever see. Um, but uh, yeah, I have to admit, I'm a little surprised Jordan Bell. You know, I knew his offensive game was pretty much nil, but he had so many uh, versatile defensive ability, you know, rebounding, shot blocking. Um, just running hustle plays. I thought I, I thought he was going to pan out, and he really he didn't. And uh, I was swinging a miss for me, but I um, 
Yeah, I enjoyed the, that uh, brief. I think we got a Jordan Bell appreciation thread out of that too, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, but yeah, this is it's going to be a fun year. I mean, it's obviously we're not going into this year like we have the the, the previous years, like hey, championship. Um, but you know, there's there's some uh, interesting potential there, and I'm excited to see how this all unfolds. Um, you know, I my whole perspective on the uh, on the John Wall deal is kind of eh, well, like you said. Well, it's fine with me. I, you know, I was ready to see Russ go, and um, you know, like I said, I just wish there had been a better pick. That's all. Uh, I think Wall has the potential to fit in better, but there's more risk with him because of the injury history. But uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an interesting year. Just get hard to buy in, and we're good. And um, I think there, there will be some talent here that can impress him. And knock on wood, Eric Gordon steps up this year because they need that knockdown shooting. Oh, absolutely, and I, and, and I, I'm I'm fingers crossed for Gordon coming back. But I think I'm aside from just watching Harden game to game, I, I think I'm most excited to see what this team can do in a Stephen Silas offense. That's David Weiner, man. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, and you know, I say it every time. Hey, we'll do it again soon. But uh, I, you know, I don't have a great track record on that being soon. That's uh, certainly um, a broad interpretation, but. We will uh, get together again uh, this season for another podcast. But thanks, David, for doing this. I appreciate it, man. No problem. See you in 2023.